This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on inside and uh, get out of the cold. Warm yourself by the, uh, the fire. Well, the electronic bonfire, that's what I like to call the radio. Great to have you with us on Oscar night. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, Hollywood in just a few moments, but we won't be talking about who was wearing what on the red carpet. Uh, This is the conspiracy show, after all, so we're going to be talking about mind control in Hollywood. Uh, Jamie Hanshaw is standing by to talk about the manufacturing of reality. Uh, We'll talk about mind control. I don't know if you remember, about a year ago, we had Roseanne Barr on the program, and uh, she was alluding to to that as well, just sort of hinting at uh, at mind control in Hollywood. We'll we'll talk about the the movie-making myth factory of Hollywood, how they program our reality, and, and how that serves uh, the purposes, I guess, of, the, uh, of groups like the Illuminati. Uh, just a reminder, we are doing another Hangout on air tonight. And if you want to watch the live stream, uh, go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett. Let me spell the last name, S-Y-R-E-T-T, S-Y-R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett. And uh, the tweet should be at or near the top. It says HOA live stream. Just click on that and you are in the inner sanctum watching and listening uh, to the conspiracy show. And uh, say, uh, say hi while you're on my Twitter feed at Richard Serrett and be sure to follow. Uh, speaking of social media, uh, social media reports of a possible UFO uh, crash earlier this week uh, near, um, well, near Jackhead, Manitoba. They're not true, according to the Canadian uh, forces, which attributed the bright light uh, that people saw to an airplane from a training exercise. Uh, Several people said on Twitter and Facebook that they saw a bright bright light in the sky, fueling speculation that it may have been an unidentified flying object. And then the rumor became stronger when photos were posted of Canadian forces vehicles in the area, with some people claiming the military was there to contain a UFO crash site. Is this starting to sound familiar? Uh, but it was not a UFO at all, according to Le- Lieutenant Colonel Paul Davies, commanding officer, 38 Territorial Battalion Group, which is involved in an Arctic Response Company Group training exercise on Lake Winnipeg uh, this week. 
And uh, he says, there is no aliens, just my friends in the Air Force who are out there helping us on the exercise. And um, the CBC uh, News, our Canadian broadcaster, is uh, also echoing uh, this. However, uh, many people on social media continue uh, to suggest that there is some sort of cover-up afoot. Uh, UFOs, always an immensely popular subject. And uh, my good friend, Ali Siadatan, who is a documentary filmmaker... If you haven't seen his uh, documentary film, you should check it out. I, I believe it's available online. It's called UFOs, Angels, and Gods. And Ali has just joined the list of uh, speakers at Follow the Truth 2, my live event, coming to Oshawa's Regent Theatre on Sunday, April the 26th, to talk about UFOs in the Bible and ETs in ancient literature. Uh, and Ali is such a scholar. I've had him on the, the radio program and on my TV show. He's one of those individuals. Uh, occasionally, we'll get together for a, a coffee or lunch. I could just sit and listen to this guy all night. Um, so we're very pleased that uh, he'll be speaking at Follow the Truth, too. And uh, if you want a complete list of our speakers, please visit followthetruth.tv. Order your tickets. Listen, it's $50 or $20 for students. And uh, again, the website, followthetruth.tv. Tell your friends. Uh, call the box office at 905 721 3399 at the bottom of the hour i'll offer a pair of uh of passes uh to um, and all you need to do is be the seventh caller not not yet but at 11:30 or so we'll open up the phone lines tim will take the seventh caller who has the correct answer to tonight's trivia question all right and uh, again this is a follow the truth is is a conference for anyone who's and everyone who's always asking my favorite question, which is simply why. And, and uh, for those people who don't believe everything they read in the New York Times or see on the 6 o'clock news, it's for those of you uh, who believe, as uh, they said in uh, The Matrix, uh, that the world is being pulled over our eyes to hide us from the truth. And again, we've lined up seven amazing speakers on everything from an analysis of the Zapruder film to the Lost Tribes of Israel, spirit communication, remote viewing, the Shroud of Turin, and Dr. John Hall, uh, who's an authority on electronic harassment and mind control, uh, will be flying in just for the conference from his home in San Antonio, Texas. He's coming up on uh, this program as well very, very soon, Dr. John Hall, to talk about his new book, Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. Okay, it's uh, Oscar time. Let's talk Hollywood, a town that exists to manufacture myths and much of our reality. Uh, Jamie Hanshaw is the author of Weird Stuff Operation, Culture Creation, which is about the use of pop culture icons for social engineering. And uh, she's a second-generation conspiracy theorist growing up in the 80s and 90s. She was exposed very early to the growing world of truth seekers, alternative historians, the Clinton scandals, of course, FEMA activities, witchcraft in Saturday morning cartoons. Perhaps uh, time permitting, we'll delve into that. In any event, it's a great pleasure to have Jamie Hanshaw on The Conspiracy Show. Welcome aboard. Thanks for hanging out, Jamie. How are you? Hi, Richard. Good. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, media scientist Nelson Thal, uh, who joins us on the program from time to time, was uh, Marshall McLuhan's um, archivist, of course, McLuhan, the greatest media scientist of all time, uh, who said... Uh, that we lie to ourselves through television and we tell ourselves the truth through film. And um, 
I'm just wondering in terms of, I mean, we, we, obviously there are, there are other purposes for films, but occasionally a film will come out uh, that is sort of trying to point us at the right direction. And I'm thinking of Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. And, of course, you know, that film, obviously, about this some secret society, perhaps the Illuminati, these, for people that have seen the movie, these, um, these occult rituals with all of these hooded figures who were the sort of the, uh, the elites in that particular society, and, and Tom Cruise's character gets caught up in that. Just comment and talk to me a little bit about uh, the importance of that film in your sort of overall philosophy about Hollywood and, and the creation of... of um, culture. Um, okay. Well, as far as Eyes Wide Shut goes, it's kind of the first time we see um, behind the veil of what actually goes on um, in the aristocratic circles and the dark occultist circles. So, um, yeah, and that's probably why Stanley Kubrick, you know, didn't live to see the film finished and why they cut so much out of it because he was giving away a lot of esoteric secrets in, in that film. So do you believe, I mean, there is that rumor going around that, that Kubrick, whose official cause of death, I believe, was a heart attack. There was that theory that, you know, before the movie came out, he, 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 um, he was killed. Uh, so you believe that he was, in fact, murdered? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I'm not... Uh, an expert on on that story per se, but right. I do think that yeah, definitely he was um, taken out because he was trying to show the public what really is behind Hollywood. We had Roseanne Barr on this program about a year ago, mm -hmm. talking about uh, mind control uh, in Hollywood, and you know she didn't give a lot of uh, specifics, um, but I mean, do you have you talked to? to Hollywood insiders, to, let's say, for example, actors, actresses, uh, who have off the record uh, told you that they are essentially uh, mind control slaves. Has anyone sort of made that confession to you or one of your associates? Not any high-profile names, no, but definitely tons and tons of um, anonymous people, you know, write us letters and tell us their stories, and I've read a lot of books about um, mind control, but I wish, I wish, you know, some high profile ones would come forward and kind of join up with us. And I actually have this campaign going um, called Release the Stars because I think that this mind control um, <clears throat> is a conspiracy of violence. And if you can get some people with uh, following to um, come forward with their stories, it will make it easier for other low profile victims to follow. So, um, yeah, we have this campaign, um, and you can find it on cmtv.com, Call Release the Stars. And I, I really hope that some people will come forward, like Corey Feldman. He wrote a book called uh, Choreography, stating that pedophilia is the biggest secret in Hollywood, and it's the biggest problem, and he was a victim of it, and that's why his friend um, Corey Hain died. Yes, well, I mean, we're hearing about these scandals uh, involving... Uh, pedophilia all over the place. Uh, of course, a huge scandal in, in the UK, which, uh, I mean, this story may go right to the very top uh, before it's all through. Um, now, I wasn't, um, I haven't read uh, Corey Feldman's uh, book, um, but is that how they are controlling 
some of these young stars uh, by inducing some sort of a mass unleashing a mass trauma on them it could be it could be uh, it could be a sexual abuse it could be uh, you know um, drugs that sort of thing is that how they control them just going back to sort of the old um, MK Ultra type techniques of inducing a disassociative disorder um, definitely, and I think a lot of these stars are actually born into the cults that would be practicing these eyes-wide-shut type rituals. And so you can see these um, Hollywood bloodlines, royalty, you may like Drew Barrymore and people that are born into it and things like that. Um, definitely. What was your question? I'm sorry. Well, I'm just, I'm just wondering what the techniques that they're using uh, for oh, mind control okay. does. I mean, we, we're familiar with sort of uh, the, the, the MK Ultra type uh, experiments that the Nazis were using during the Second World mm-hmm. War to, again, sort of fracture the human psyche, a mm-hmm. massive trauma. Uh, and then once you induce this a disassociative disorder, you can use that compartmentalized brain for many purposes. Right. And this is like the Manchurian candidate that you're talking about. Right. And so the MKUltra program um, was continued um, through in a program called Project Monarch. And this has opened up a giant Pandora's box of symbolism for a lot of people to decode. And you can see, um, like, VigilantCitizen.com and Illuminati Watcher, they do a lot of blogs, like, daily about um, celebrity mind control and all the symbolism. But I made a um, top ten list of monarch mind control symbols that you can see put on um, what I was focusing on mostly was pop stars, and I made... A, a grid, like I call it the statistically impossible grid. So I have these 10 qualifiers that I would say are the, the most common red flags of monarch mind control. All and right. I use um, Beyonce as, as an example, and she hit all 10, right? And then I made this grid, like a 5 by 5 so I took five of those um, monarch mind control symbols, and I was trying to see if I could find... Um, other pop stars who fit into this mold, right? And it wasn't even hard for me. I mean, I, I picked Lady Gaga, Britney Spears, uh, Miley Cyrus, um, and Mariah Carey, and one more, and um, I'll have this published soon. But um, they all fit into this symbolism program, and so you've got Beta Kitten programming, which is the sexual programming. And this is why you see all the stars um, surrounded by kittens and having feline imagery and Hello Kitty and stuff like that. So that's a major... Um, sign that they've been through this beta kitten programming, right? All right, Jamie, just hold on. We'll come back. Jamie Hanshaw is with us, author of Weird Stuff Operation. We're talking about culture creation and mind control out of Hollywood here on Oscar night. Back with more of our conversation right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. And welcome back. Jamie Hanshaw is with us, freemantv.com. And we are talking about... Hollywood and mind control. And uh, before the break, Jamie, you were talking about this uh, list that you are compiling, soon to be published. These are sort of ten telltale signs, symbols, uh, that um, would would uh, suggest that you know someone is, I guess, in the enthralled to the you know the, the controllers, the uh, the Illuminati, the uh, satanic mm-hmm. groups, and so forth. You mentioned uh, sort of the, the Hello Kitty, uh, sort of the sex kitten, uh, which mm-hmm. evokes obviously the image of of um, uh, sexual abuse and trauma and so forth. What are some of the other symbols? Um, yeah, okay, I'm pulling that up right now. So there would be um, monarch butterflies is the first one, right? Well, of course, uh, pro- is that so uh, obviously referring to Project Monarch? Uh-huh. 
Explain a little bit about what that was and what that is, Project Monarch. Okay, so that is, um, according to mind control victims that have come forward, that is the um, coupling together of the MKUltra and um, bloodline secret Illuminati Satanism. Okay. So they are recruiting um, people of bloodline Satanic families and also children who are have already been pedophilia, um, pedophilia abused by their parents because they know that if their parents um, would be debased enough to do that to their own child, they wouldn't have a problem with selling them into this program. Right. So, th- in other words, this this hideous uh, uh, program is multi generational. Right. All right. And that's where the monarch butterfly comes in because that was the thing that tipped off the um, the Nazi scientists that memories could be passed on through DNA, and that's new science all coming out right now. That. Uh, you know, the genetic markers and things um, are passed down. So that's, and also monarch butterflies in their migration, they do not, um, they don't all make the same trip because it's too long. And so they all go to the same spot, right? And then they go back to the same spot, but it's their children that are making the trip. And so that's how they learn that these um, genetic memories can be passed down. All right. Uh, so the monarch butterfly. Uh, maybe we'll get into a couple others here, and then I want to I want to talk to you about the Wizard of Oz. Okay. So a couple other okay, of these. Yeah, uh, Wizard of Oz is a big one. Um, okay, so yeah, monarch butterflies, and then you have um, alternate personalities. Okay, so this goes back way way back. You've got David Bowie as Ziggy Stardust. You've got Beyonce as Sasha Fierce, and now her new alter is Beyonce. You've got Nicki Minaj saying she's got uh, separate personalities inside her. One is called Roman Zelansky, which is really close to Roman Polanski, who right. made the uh, movie Rosemary's Baby and who was also a um, convicted pedophile. Yes. Right? So the second one I would say would be alternate personalities. And then the third one would be um, possession or satanic imagery. So you've got, okay, so tonight is the Grammys, right? The Oscars, right. Are, yeah, Oscars, I'm sorry. It's all right. it's, it's award season. They one runs into the next. Yeah, and so what these we call are high profile rituals. So these are big occultic rituals that are played out for the public to um, to one to traumatize the public, two to um, distract them from real issues, and three to get them to um, love Hollywood and see these people as idols and above them, right? Sure. And yeah. it's interesting that um, in the work I was doing all summer, I, I did these series of articles on Beyonce, and I was talking about how she has been um, put forth as the Scarlet Woman. And the Scarlet Woman is the goddess of Thelema, and the OTO, which I do a lot of research on, um, because I believe that all of this uh, Hollywood mind control and the sex, drugs, and rock and roll and, and all that all goes back to, um, in one point, Aleister Crowley. Right, right. Noted saint, Satanist. And, right. And they're, um, so their goddess is the Scarlet Woman. And so I've been doing all this research about the Scarlet Woman. And um, there was this one story about Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard. And they were both um, followers of Aleister Crowley and in the OTO, which was... Um, started before Aleister Crowley, but he took it over and kind of revamped it and made it his own thing, right? And so one day, Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard were doing this ritual, and they 
were trying to incarnate their goddess Babylon. So the whore of Babylon is the Scarlet Woman, is the goddess of Lehman, the Okio. And they said that they had a vision of her naked riding a a cat-like beast. And so all summer I was like, when are they going to put one of these girls out as a goddess riding a cat-like beast? And then we'll know for sure that they are using all these symbols of the OTO and the Lima, right? And And then along comes Super Bowl Sunday. Exactly. And you can see my um, expression right when we were watching it live. I could not believe that what I had predicted came true. And she was, in fact, riding a giant, great cat-like beast. Katy Perry came out on this large, looked like a tiger or something. Right. Well, that's the interesting thing, because she says, I have the eye of a tiger, but she was riding a lion, right? It was a lion. Okay. And so today, I just posted an article on CMNTV.com all about the Super Bowl Grammy kind of um, dual ritual they had going on because there's elements from both going on. And so you can go over there, freemantv.com, and, and look at that. Right. But then so I had predicted the cat like beast, right, and that came true. And so then I went on um, Ground Zero with Cross Lewis, and he said, well, what can we expect at the Grammys? And I said, well, if they are keeping in um, theme with this OTO and Salima and Scarlet Woman, then they'll probably have a representation of their um, their horned god, which they call the hidden god, and who is um, the same as the god Pan. Baphomet. Baphomet, right. Pan. right. Okay, so yeah, Baphomet's kind of like uh, androgynous. Um, he's the, the perfect alchemical being according to their religion because he's a mixture of man and woman, dark and light, um, and he has all these um, polarity symbols in him, right? Right. So I said, you know, if, if this was true, we're going to see uh, some horned beings, okay? And so what was the first um, performance of the night on the Grammys was ACDC singing Highway to Hell. Right. And had everybody put on Light Up Devil Horn. There you go. And then so, Madonna came out, and she also had the... Uh, exactly. So Madonna go. came out as a matador when she was wearing red, too. So she was kind of like the Scarlet Woman of the night. And she was um, had her backup dancers as bulls with diamond masks. And this was interesting because we had Fritz Springmeier on our program who kind of wrote the two textbooks on Illuminati mind control. And we asked him, you know, uh, what would, do you think we would see in, the, in this award season of high-profile rituals? And he said probably diamonds because diamonds symbolize a um, presidential model mind control slave. So this is someone who has gone through all the initiations, up through the ranks, and earned their spot as the perfect um, mind control slave, and they get uh, a diamond status. And so the first one to have this would be Marilyn Monroe. Ah, okay. Right, because she sang um, Diamonds Were a Girl's Best Friend, and she was obviously involved heavily in with uh, JFK and his brother, and she's a really good case study of early... Um, Monarch Mind Control in Hollywood because she was an orphan and she was abused and she was always um, being taken to see mind doctors and she was uh, kept away and not allowed to have friends, you know, hidden away in her house and right. she just had no freedom whatsoever. Other things, weird things about it was her house was all covered in mirrors and even down to the, the tabletops and everything. So mirrors I would put um, as number seven on my top ten of mind control symbolism in Hollywood. 
um, multiplicity, broken mirrors, and hypnotic imagery because the mirror symbolizes, you know, kind of the soul, and then when they break it, that's the shattering of the personality. Uh, interesting, the, the right? Alter. Interesting. Right. That, it just reminded me. There's a. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, the the the, uh, the band The Who, mm-hmm. and uh, they came out with an album in 2006 uh, called Endless Wire, and one of the tracks on that uh, album is a song called The Mirror Door. Hmm. So I'm wondering if that may be alluding to that. Well, yeah, so once you have the code, it's really, really easy to break, and you're going to see it everywhere, and that's why we try to give you these um, really easy-to-learn tools and keys to the symbolism so you can decode it from yourself. Right, right. so let's bring it back to the uh, the Oscars, uh, Jamie. Did you see any—I mm-hmm. don't know if you had time, and it's, it's you know ongoing and so forth, but did you see anything on the red carpet tonight? And uh, I'm wondering, first of all, the red carpet. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in the, in the imagery of the red carpet— uh, that we, you know, that, I mean, that's present at all the awards shows. But I mean, is that alluding to some sort of a blood ritual? Well, this is the um, symbol of the bloodlines coming down through history. Okay. All right. Did you see anything on the red carpet tonight, uh, or anything during the Oscar, uh, the actual uh, Academy Awards, uh, that jumped out at you in terms of occultic imagery? Um, I haven't seen the Oscars this year. Okay. And we don't really look for a lot in the Oscars because it's just kind of a classy um, award show. But they really always pull out the stops um, on the VMAs. It's the biggest one because that's MTV and that's, you know, rock and roll and right. that's where Satan is allowed, you know, because uh, it's been a a big tongue-in-cheek thing forever in rock and roll that sure. the devil and the devil horns and all that. Um, but I, I don't know. They don't have these grand performances at... The Oscars, like they do at the VMAs. No, the no, people are far more uh, demure, demure, and and mm-hmm. uh, as you say, it's more of a sort of a a, cl- a classy event. Right. Um, at but, the AMAs, we did see a lot of things, and we did shows about um, Taylor Swift and all her imagery at the AMAs. Right. I mean, do you see a lot of these stars then as victims? Definitely, and I don't hold it against them whatsoever. And so when you see their art coming out, this is their therapy. You know, this is them trying to express themselves. This is them, their fragmented mind and their artist mind because you can't um, create a system of alters out of a person who has low intelligence and low creativity. The brain just won't do that. Those are rejects. Those are people who end up in a pain asylum, right? But the ones who can take it and um, transpose their trauma into creativity, then they get boosted up higher. You know, in, in anticipation of our show tonight, uh, Jamie, I've been thinking a lot um, about, you know, why so many great artists, and because we're talking about Hollywood, we'll include actors, actresses, uh, writers, directors, why they, so many of them, despite having um, all the, the luxuries and, and, and comfort that money can, can afford... Uh, you know, they have everything going for them, yet so many of them are so sad and tragic. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm, maybe the reason for that is why they're so tortured is because, in fact, they are literally tortured. Definitely. And this, um, you know, it goes back to the story of Robert Johnson, you know, at the crosswords where he had to sell his solo devil to learn how to play right. badass guitar. And, uh, you know, you even talked to his friends from before, and they said he didn't know anything. He was stuck. No one would listen to him until he went out on his pilgrimage. He met the devil at the crossroads. He was hanging out with this other guitarist, and they would play at the cemetery in practice. And he came back, and he was just another person, like, uh, you know, 
amazing guitarist and and took off from there. But like you said, they they're sad and they're depressed and they're suicidal because they have made this some kind of um, blood soul pact with a dark entity. You can call it the Christian um, idea of the devil or Satan, or because a lot of my I mean most my control victims report that the um, foundation of their trauma was based on the Christian idea of Satan. And so that's why you see all of their art coming out very bizarre, very weird. This is uh, where you get Miley Cyrus now coming out with her, you know, whatever she's doing. You know, I'm sure you've seen sure, her concert, sure. her new concert where she's giving fellatio to a blow-up doll. She's riding a giant wiener. She's kind of grabbing herself on stage and right, all this stuff. right. This isn't her. This isn't her talent. This is uh, alters coming out, and this is what's being promoted. And so when people see this and they're like, "This is so weird. Why would? Where is this even coming from?" When you get the tools of um, and the keys of mind control, you know exactly why it's so bizarre. Exactly. Well, you know, in terms of Hollywood, there was uh, no one, perhaps as uh, tortured, uh, who had her own, you know, demons than. The, uh, the the child star Judy Garland, and uh, we're coming up on a break here, but I do want to talk about uh, the Wizard of Oz because the history of the Wizard of Oz in terms of mind control programming uh, goes back such a long ways, and and I've interviewed a number of uh, mind control victims on this program, and and many of them have talked about the the use of Wizard of Oz imagery uh, mm-hmm. by their programmers, their handlers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, so uh, let's talk about uh, the use of Wizard of Oz, the Wizard of Oz, uh, okay. in MK Ultra and so forth. Jamie Hanshaw is with us. We'll be back with more right here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. All right, welcome back. Uh, before we get back to our conversation with JB, Jamie Hanshaw, um, here's your chance to win a pair of tickets to follow the truth to my uh, live event coming to Oshawa, the Region Theatre, Sunday, April the twenty-sixth. Seven amazing speakers. Now. We are going to take the seventh correct caller, and Tim is standing by, manning the phones, at 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, and toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Earlier in the program, I was talking about uh, how social media up here in Canada is on fire with this uh, story of a, an alleged UFO crash in a remote area or a remote community in Manitoba. If you can tell me the name of the town or the community in Manitoba, you've got yourself a pair of tickets to follow the truth too. So call Tim now, seventh caller through, with the correct answer, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 866 744 740 If you don't win a pair of passes, there's always next week. Or you could just simply order order a pair at the uh, the box office. Go to followthetruth.tv for more details. Followthetruth.tv. All right, uh, Jamie, I want to talk to you about uh, the Wizard of Oz, and um, I mean this uh, this movie, which um, was based on the book. Obviously, that book came out like around 1900, I think. And and may, many people may not be aware, but there is there's something like a dozen or more books. Uh, we just, you know, only the first one was really made into the movie. But So what is the connection between The Wizard of Oz and mind control? In other words, why do these 
mind control handlers or whatever you want to call them. Why do they use Wizard of Oz imagery? Mm -hmm. Okay, so one of the basic ideas of creating a mind control slave is to be able to control the entire um, milieu of the slave. That is to say, they can never escape because their environment is designed for what is called story immersion. So, for instance, um, a monarch victim who has been given the basic um, Wizard of Oz or even... And I'm glad you brought up Wizard of Oz because that's number eight on my list of top ten. And I even have a picture of little Beyonce at age seven singing home from the movie The Wiz dressed up as Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. And so Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz are one of the two big um, story immersions that they... You know, programming scripts that they use because the Yellow Brick Road is a code for um, the path that the slave has to follow no matter what lies ahead, right? So this story, um, it was chosen like in the late 1940s to be the basis of, of the intelligence community's trauma-based programming. And um, it has to do with, like I said, the Yellow Brick Road, disassociation. So that's a big thing. Um, missing time and not being able to tell where you are or even who you are. And so her going um, to the other world is another um, way of saying disassociate, right? Right. And, and then there's a, um, an underlying story also about she's going through this whole thing to save her little pet, Toto, right? Right. And uh, nearly all victims of this um, satanic ritual abuse and mind control have reported that loss of their little pet was part of their um, their trauma-based ritual. Yes, I've heard about this. This is particularly cruel, um, mm -hmm. how they u utilize uh, pets, the idea right. is that they well, will the give a... Pet will bond to the pet because they're afraid of humans at this point anyways, right. and then the pet will be taken away and sacrificed in front of them, so yes. to create um, more trauma. And then there's even other rituals that involve teddy bears, and sacrificing of kids because they use teddy bears a whole lot in this. And that's actually kind of the um, the model. And you can even look at this up, pedo bear on the Internet, right, is the patriot state of pedophilia. And I would say teddy bears is a big part of this. But um, the history of Wizard of Oz um, is really interesting because the author, Frank Baum, was a member of the Theosophical Society. Right. So this is um, Madame Blavatsky writing channeled works um, from gods of Atlantis who they believe moved to the Himalayan mountains as the Aryan gods. Right, right. And, and if, mm -hmm. if, um, if I'm remembering correctly, because um, the Oz in The Wizard of Oz, isn't that short for Osiris as in the Greek or the Egyptian god Osiris? Because a lot of this goes back to the the ISIS mystery religion, right? Where they and they used drugs and, and trauma as a form of mind control, except they didn't call it that then. They called it right. casting a spell. Well, all mystery religions have this um, initiation period, and most of them are extremely cruel. I mean, if you look at the mysteries of ISIS, you were talking about Osiris, but to become a priestess of ISIS, so one of the rituals was she had to go down to the river when it was freezing cold and bathe three times and actually, you know, when it was frozen and break the ice and go in and dunk three times and then crawl naked across this vast field. And, um, you know, in, in Egypt, the mysteries of the pyramid, they had to do this ritual where they would swim down um, this pool that 
they didn't know how they were going to get out, and if they came up the wrong entrance, they would be eaten by crocodiles, and they would have to go under another entrance and come out, and then they would be, you know, have passed the initiation or whatever. But these Wizard of Oz books are um, a sort of theosophical fairy tale, and if you go to see the play Wicked, this, um, the Broadway play Wicked, it kind of expounds on that even more. But, um, what about the ruby red odd. slippers? Uh, sorry, Jamie, to interrupt. Uh, we're coming up on a break, and I don't know if we'll we'll have time to get it, to, you know, to finish this. But we can continue the conversation later, uh, mm-hmm. after the break. What about the ruby slippers? I was watching uh, the red carpet uh, pre-Oscar show, and they were um, taking us inside this new museum uh, in Hollywood that's paying tribute to all of the great um, uh, costuming and so forth. And of course. The, the ruby red slippers that Dorothy wore, Judy Garland wore, are in this museum. We'll, we'll come back. I, I want to know if there's any significance uh, uh, to the, you know, the, the tapping of the, uh, the ruby red slippers together in order to get home, which, of okay. course, is such an iconic moment in that movie. Jamie Hanshaw is with us as we talk about Hollywood and mind control right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. And uh, we will get back to our conversation with Jamie Hanshaw. FreemanTV.com is the website. We've linked up to her website uh, at richardserrett.com. Just click on uh, Jamie's name. Uh, just wanted to congratulate Ted Mokran of Toronto. Uh, Ted was the seventh caller with the correct answer. Of course, the answer to the trivia question was Jackhead, Manitoba. That's the community uh, where this alleged UFO crash took place earlier this week, although the uh, Defense Department here in Canada, or the Ministry of Defense, I should say, uh, says that it uh, was certainly not a UFO. It was just a military plane. Uh, and the CBC is echoing that. However, uh, we haven't heard the last of that, I am guessing. Uh, now, uh, Jamie Hanshaw, we uh, we were talking about uh, The Wizard of Oz and uh, that film, uh, the imagery in that film is um, has been reported by mind control victims to be something that's that's used by by programmers. Um, what about these ruby red the ruby red slippers? Is there any? What is that all about? What is that a metaphor for? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So, um, in the original books, the shoes were silver, right? Ah, I didn't know that. And then the director changed the color to the ruby because he thought it looked better um, against the yellow brick road background. Okay. But according to Frank Baum, in his own writing, he um, equates the silver slippers with the silver cord um, that the mystery school speak of that attaches your astral body to your physical body, right? Right. And so he thought that these silver slippers would inspire um, special powers on the person who wears them. So this is from Frank Baum himself saying that the silver slippers represent the silver cord of the, the mythical link. Right, right. Now, I don't know if this is simply serendipity uh, or whether there's something more, uh, there's something deeper here at play. And uh, if anyone would know, I'm guessing it would be you, Jamie. Uh, and you've probably heard this. It's an old college game that people used to play, and that's when... The Wizard of Oz, uh, if you have it on uh, DVD or, you know, back when I was in college, everything was on videotape, of course. So you take uh, The Wizard of Oz, and uh, and then on your turntable, you have um, The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. And I'm not sure which side you... St- I guess you started on the first track, cut, a, uh, cut uh, one on uh, side A of the album. And when you cue that up to the moment the, the lion roars at the beginning of the film uh, from the studio, MGM, uh, there's all of these synchronicities that play out in the movie that match up with what's on the album. Ha- have you heard that? Have you seen that? Yeah, we did it once, and it really did match up 
with, um, you know, the witch flying and the tornado and the crescendos and the music, and it, it really did go along with the movie for sure. Is that just happenstance, or do you think that there there is something deeper there? Um, I definitely think Pink Floyd, um, some of their elements give red flags of um, trauma-based mind control to me, especially um, The Wall. Okay. If you listen to his lyrics and his songs about his mother and, and the... The message of the wall is definitely worth um, watching again after you learn these keys of mind control. Hmm. It's interesting because one of the, the founders of Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett, uh, of course, went totally mad. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, had to leave the band. And you know, I I, I often hear about um, musicians in these iconic rock bands. Uh, where one of the members, maybe the band, 25 years after they split, they'll get back together. But there's always one member of the band who's not willing to come back. And, uh, for example, Queen. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that they're, you know, the members of Queen were um, mind control victims. Who knows? But their bass player, John Deacon, for example, they describe him, the, the other members of Queen, saying, well, he's not going to join us. He's too fragile. Hmm. Um, you know, the same thing with Sid Barrett. I hear this time and time again. I mean, is that possibly a hint that that band was under some sort of mind control trauma? Yeah. Here's what they do, because they don't want bands really anymore. They don't want groups of collectives. They just want idols. And a really good um, representation of what I'm going to be talking about right now is in the movie Get On Up about James Brown. Ah, yes, yes. I've said that when they make it to a certain popularity and a certain level, um, they get this record deal, right? And what happens most of the time is they single out the most talented person in the group, the front, you know, person, and they separate them from the band so that they can rise up in the ranks. And so that's traumatizing in a lot of different ways because you're saying goodbye to, and you're actually, you know, um, turning away from your lifelong friends and your creative partners to actually make this deal with the devil. And so there's this scene in Get On Up where they take uh, the, the famous flames into the room, into the room with the big Jewish big wig. And he says, well, we don't need the band. We just want James Brown. And if you don't sign, then the deal is off, and the famous flames can go screw themselves, and you can be part of it if you want to or not. But this is something we've seen with um, Gwen Stefani of No Doubt, something we've seen with Beyonce and Destiny's Child. Um, So they're always trying to break them apart from their support system because then that weakens their whole network and, mm. and um, you know, isolates them. And that's a big part of trauma-based mind control is isolation. Okay. We, we just have um, maybe six, six, seven minutes here. And uh, I, I mentioned, I, I kicked off the, the show talking about this McLuhan, Marshall McLuhan line about how we tell ourselves the truth through film. And um, uh, the, I'm thinking of the, the, uh, the born... Uh, trilogy, the Born Supremacy. There's the Born Identity, the Born Legacy, I think, and then the Born Supremacy. I'm not sure what order, but this is mm-hmm. about you know Matt Damon is this super soldier uh, mm-hmm. who discover he's a you know an incredible uh, marksman and, and can do these incredible physical feats, a super soldier. Uh, but then he discovers uh, that he's not who he thought he was, and he starts to have I guess these memories of a previous life. So obviously, Matt Damon is a mind control victim. He's been turned into a super soldier. Right. Um, so, I mean, how does a movie like that get out? Why would they want they, you know, the, the, the Illuminati or whomever is in control here on this little blue marble, why would they want a movie like that to get out? Why would they want people to start to, to, start to wake up 
to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what we have to keep in mind is this whole mind control and chaos for monarch thing. This is all CIA, okay? Government endorsed, um, Central Intelligence Agency approved, and so Jason Bourne would be um, called what they call a Delta model super soldier. And they do have these in real life, and they use them, and this is all part. So they have alphas, deltas, betas, and, and one person can have um, more than one of these programs, but definitely the super soldier is called delta programming. And, um, oh, I have something really good I want to tell you. Oh, okay, so you asked me why would they show you. Right. This has to do with what they call the revelation of the method. So towards the end of, you know, the culmination of, of their program, they want to enslave the entire world like they have done to one person, right? And they use these pop stars um, to traumatize the rest of the people and to make them think that this kind of behavior is normal. Right. And so if they can reveal to people what is happening and they don't do anything, then they, um, one, usurp their free will agreement, and two, they reveal their method. You've done nothing, and so they've created a doubly um, binded subject, is what they call it, um, a doubly binded slave. So this person who knows they're a slave and can do nothing about it. So by revealing to us the fact that there are these super soldiers out there, there are mind control uh, victims that have turned been turned into spies and assassins and so forth, and yet mm-hmm. we, we see that, we accept it as truth, and yet we we don't do anything about it, that's almost proof positive to them that we have been become totally anesthetized. Exactly. We are the frog boiling in the water. Yes. What are some of the other movies uh, that, um, that, that uh, have been used in, uh, in mind, by mind control uh, programmers mm-hmm. in terms of the imagery? Um, Alice in Wonderland is a big one mm-hmm. um, because uh, the person who wrote Alice in Wonderland, his real name was um, Charles Dodson, and he was a reverend at a church in Oxford, and he had this very um, inappropriate relationship with children where he would take them out and photograph them nude. I mean, if you found these pictures on his hard drive today, he'd be registering as a sex offender down at the sheriff's office. But back then, it was just like, considered kind of artsy, right? But he is kind of the... um, Patriots say they're pedophiles, and there even was a pedophile ring, I think, called the Wonderland Club after this whole Alice in Wonderland, because this has all the things that they need in it, the, the Maple Leaf World, the disassociation, the following the White Rabbit, um, the whole chessboard theme and all that. So I, I think Alice in Wonderland is a, a really big um, mind control movie as well, along with Fantasia, pretty much any Disney movie is going to be rife with um, mind control themes and symbolism. Well, you know, uh, it's funny you should say that because uh, we certainly, you know, uh, exposed our, our children to a lot of the, the Disney films when they were younger. Um, but looking back, you know, a lot of those it could be rather traumatizing to a child because, of course, you know, the mother, whether it's in the animal kingdom, it's usually in the animal kingdom, right? We think of Bambi. Uh, a lot of these um, um, Disney films... The mother is taken from the child, or the child is taken from the mother. They're either separated, or the mother is 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 killed. Very traumatizing. Right, and this isn't just Disney movies. I mean, if you look really closely, I'm saying this all the time. They always kill the mother, right? And so this has to do, in my opinion, with the Holy Spirit, because um, 
I kind of have my own ideas about the Trinity and all that, and I think that the Holy Spirit is female, and that is the one unpardonable sin in the Bible is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So if you're always killing the mother, you're always taking the Holy Spirit out of the creative process. And that's pretty much the most traumatizing thing that you can show to a child is the death of a mother. And I write about this in my book, Weird Stuff Part 2, about the first movie I ever saw um, on the big screen was Land Before Time. And that had this really dramatic scene of the mother fighting a T-Rex, and she dies right in front of her child, and then he's an orphan, and he has to go on and find his way alone. And... I was so traumatized by this movie that I had to go and buy the plush toy of Littlefoot because my soul had witnessed this, him go through this, and I had to adopt him and kind of nurture that toy as kind of a part of my psyche that had witnessed this death of a mother. Interesting. How do you... Uh... I mean, I don't know if you have uh, have children, uh, but, but, I mean, how do you how do you protect them? How do you... Or even for yourself. I mean, how do you um, do? You just stop going to the movies. Do you just stop listening to, you know, commercial music, uh, 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 popular no. music? What do you do? No, I learn what's going on, and then I watch it with a discerning eye, and then I decode it for other people. So when we're watching these things, our brains are working overtime. We're not in that you know trans alpha state of just taking it all in. We're um, actually looking, reading between the lines and finding out, you know, all these secret esoteric things. And so I would suggest that you learn about monarch mind control and then start to look at pop culture in a completely different way. And hopefully you can share this with your friends and family because Mm. this is a conspiracy of silence and disbelief. And so the more um, evidence and the more people we have uh, verifying this and talking about it and um, validating it, the farther we can come because this is all back to slavery right we're all slaves to something and the whole world is enslaved right now and and we have to wake up and realize that we are actually slaves jamie i appreciate you hanging out with us tonight the website freemantv.com thanks so much thank you jamie hanshaw hollywood and mind control hey thanks for uh, hanging out with me we'll do some more the website, richardserrett.com. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett's. And as always, follow the truth. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Especially on Oscar night. I was on the red carpet tonight. I mean, the one I have in my own home. <laughs> tonight I'm wearing Value Village. We are doing another Hangout, and uh, you can watch in the live stream by going to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. Uh, just look for the tweet near the top that says, Live Stream, H-O-A link. Again, that's uh, my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. And just look for the tweet near the top that says, Live Stream, H-O-A link. Uh, Albert, uh, my uh, trusty intern, story producer, has posted some great stories in the slide carousel at richardserrett.com, including one that's it's actually a link to an online petition uh, gathering signatures in an effort to restore the Bank of Canada uh, to its original purpose, uh, which prior to 1974, it was essentially to lend money to the, the federal government, the provincial governments, even the municipalities uh, could borrow money from the Bank of Canada at near zero interest. Uh, and 
again, prior to 1974, this was all changed. And this is how many of the great uh, sort of infrastructure projects, the St. Lawrence Seaway, was largely built uh, this way. Huge, massive loans from the Bank of Canada at uh, near zero interest. Um, m- much of our social safety net was originally funded this way. Uh, and then, and that's why, you know, we did this to sp- without having these huge uh, deficits. Uh, that all started to change after the, I guess, the charter of the Bank of Canada was altered uh, by uh, Pierre Trudeau. Uh, it wasn't necessarily his idea. He did it at the behest of, of others. But um, now we are, of course, uh, in the fix that we're in, something like $600 billion in debt. That's just the federal government debt. Anyway, um, so if you go to that uh, that story, just wait for it to come by on the slide carousel, click on it, and uh, it's a... Um, it's a petition that you can sign to restore the Bank of Canada. And speaking of which, uh, we're trying to get a hold of uh, this gentleman. He's a Canadian constitutional lawyer. His Rocco Galati. I don't know if you've heard about this. Someone sent me an email recently to alert me uh, about this. Um, he's fighting this very case before the Supreme Court of Canada. And he may, he's actually making some headway, apparently. Um, so again, Rocco Galati trying to fight to get the Bank of Canada restored. Uh, to its original intent. And this is what much of what uh, the Honorable Paul Hellyer is on about these days, an elder statesman who was um, um, former Minister of Defense here in Canada. If you uh, read his uh, his book about the uh, the money mafia, he's talking about the need to restore the Bank of Canada. Anyway, we are trying to get Rocco Galati on the program. and um, But this is a story you are not hearing at all in the mainstream media. Go figure. Uh, and that's why this show exists. Is It's to shine a light on those stories that don't make it onto the mainstream news. And this is a show that exists really for the purpose of encouraging uh, people to explore alternative realities, to search for the truth, to, to ask that all-important imp- question, which is why. Uh, and, of course, to be skeptical about everything, including what you hear on this program, uh, but especially the, uh, the official version of events. Always doubt and be skeptical and ask questions. And that's also why I'm, prevent, I'm presenting uh, this conference in Oshawa, Follow the Truth 2, which is Sunday, April the 26th at the Regent Theatre. So if you're into JFK, remote viewing, UFOs and the Bible, spirit communication, uh, and electronic harassment, mind control, this conference is for you. And one of the speakers uh, joins us tonight. He's uh, flying in from San Antonio, Texas, just for the conference. He's one of the foremost researchers and experts on electronic harassment. In fact, um, he spends a lot of time in his practice treating victims of electronic harassment. He has a brand new book out on that subject that we'll get into over the next uh, 40 minutes. I'm going to hold that up. I'm not sure which camera I'm on this one. Okay. It's called Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. Guinea pigs, technologies of control. And Dr. John Hall is a physician who considers writing his second profession. Knowing the United States government's dismal track record, he writes, with regard to experimenting on the public without informed consent, the sheer number of people voicing identical complaints of electronic harassment and surveillance had to be explored logically. And that's just what he's done in this book, and it's a great pleasure to welcome Dr. John Hall, back to The Conspiracy Show. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, Richard. Long time. It has been. An, it's, about a, it's been about a year since we, um, we actually, uh, I guess, saw each other last in Seattle. Uh, yeah, and uh, had a good time doing that. It was a really pleasure working with you, <clears throat> and hope we get to do some more of that. 
And just so you know, I am having a little bit of voice difficulty here. It's cedar season in Texas, and cedar kills everybody when it uh, when it blooms down here. Pollen is horrible. So oh, is that right? So you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. But. Okay. Now, one of the things I've noticed is we're not seeing you on the the, uh, the live stream. Um, yeah, I know, and I'm on the site here. If you click on that, and uh, it may ask you to uh, allow a video plug-in or something. You know, I'm not seeing it. It just says, it says I'm the first one there, but I'm not seeing anything else to click on. Oh, well, maybe during the break we'll get Albert to walk okay. you through. Anyway, we've got your voice here, your discarnate voice. And, uh, so uh, let's, let's talk about the new book. Um, because your, your first book in this field was um, talking about, you know, uh, terrorism from the sky, you know, satellites and, and uh, electronic harassment from above and so forth, the new breed, meaning the new, you know, this new form of, of, of terror. Uh, what are the advances, the technological advances in terms of electronic harassment um, that have occurred, let's say, even since the publication of, of, of your first book? Because, you know, we're all familiar with things like voice-to-skull technology, and, and that's been around probably since, what, the 1970s. Uh, what's sort of the newest technology that these these perps that are that are harassment isn't the right word, is it? I mean, it's torture. But what's the latest technology they have at their disposal? Well, it, it's technology that's been worked on the whole time as well. It just seems to have been perfected in its use, which is EEG cloning and EEG heterodyning. And that's one of the ways that uh, a victim is tracked, and one of the ways that. Uh, the symptoms that uh, they want to, that victim to display are actually done is by receiving the EEG, and you can either clone that EEG and put it into another brain for that person to uh, demonstrate the, the capabilities or um, you know, um, you know, un- uniquities of that person, or you can heterodyne the EEG, which is once you've determined what parts of the brain cause a fast heart rate or twitching of the arm or twitching of the finger or burning of the skin in one particular area, you can alter the EEG and then put it back in the victim's head and you know, your brain will entrain that heterodyned EEG, EEG and then you'll actually demonstrate those symptoms that you're desiring the target to, to demonstrate, whether that may be a personality change, an emotion change, or some physical ailment. How do they do that? How do they how do they capture your your EEG first of all? Then well, they they clone it. How do they do that? That's a, a good question. And, and how they're doing it remotely, we I know Dr. Duncan, Robert Duncan, who's a good friend of mine, who worked on you know, some of the early studies on that when they were actually still using scalp electrodes. Um, that's not the case anymore. As technology has advanced, it's obviously being done remotely somehow. And one of the ways that I, I, my theory is that they're doing it is based on one of Malik's um, old theories from the 70s on when they were figuring out how to remotely monitor the EEG without actually changing it. What they found that is if you shoot two dissimilar frequencies into the human brain, that each hemisphere will basically entrain a frequency um, once both hemispheres are, are entrained at different frequencies, the brain will actually construct an interference frequency that it transmits. And that interference frequency can be received by a receiver um, and then the EEG decoded out of it. And, and believe it or not, that was technology that was elucidated in the 70s. And its intended use was to monitor pilots. And they could tell 
if a pilot was getting sleepy or was, you know, having delusions or hallucinations, and then they could correspondingly have a zapper attached to the pilot to zap him back into reality uh, to try to get him to fly the plane better. Um, and that was um, being done with essentially, you know, stone tools and bearskins at the time in the 70s technology-wise. And as technology has advanced, where we have the capability to remotely sense very small signals or very low signals, then obviously they can remotely sense that same thing once the two frequencies are entrained into the brain and there's an interference frequency transmitted to receive is the way it's probably being done. Now then, the, the only ones that really know factually if that's the way it's being done would be the ones that are have access to some of the classified documents. I um, uh, saw recently on YouTube, it was a collection of uh, newscasters that seemingly had these, uh, I don't know what you would call it, almost like seizures during a live report. Uh, there was some included from CNN. There were some local broadcasters. I don't know if you've seen this. All strung together. Uh, where these broadcasters, right in the middle of a newscast or a field report, all of a sudden just start stammering, uh, or they have this, all of a sudden they just stop talking and they have this glazed look on their face. Uh, and it's almost as if in each of these cases, th- these uh, these anchors or reporters were were being, I don't know, controlled, harassed, tortured from some remote location. No, and I saw most of those, and I think actually there was a, a, a famous entertainment judge that uh, has a daytime TV show that experienced the same thing. And I did see some of the medical reports from some of those cases where they were checked out to see if this was possibly a stroke or a transient ischemic attack. Uh, and in, I think in all of them it was found that there were you know, no medical abnormalities wrong with them. And uh, I think in most of those cases it was attributed to some form of silent migraine disease but uh, in viewing some of those, it certainly looked like uh, what uh, targeted individuals call uh, within their communities forced speech. So um, they did certainly look like there was some, some remote control issues going on there, and it uh, wasn't anything medical. Why are those individuals uh, targeted or chosen, or why is any one? I mean, this is, I guess, the, the $64,000 question. Uh, because even the victims don't even seem to know. Some of them have a theory as to why they might be uh, targeted. Uh, but in, in your experience, you know, why do they choose one person over another? Why, for example, am I not uh, targeted? Not that I'm hoping for that or trying to attract that kind of, kind of attention, but how do they, whoever they are, choose their victims? Well, there's actually kind of two theories on that. Um, of course, the first one is that if you look at this as being experimental, uh, non-consensual experimentation, which that's the take that I have on it. Uh, when you have this many people complaining of, of exact symptoms, not similar symptoms, then it, it speaks more to experimentation. The other theory is that they're singling out the people resistant to the technology. All right, listen, we'll uh, take a time out. Come back on the other side with uh, Dr. John Hall, guinea pigs, technologies of control. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. We are back with Dr. John Hall, the author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. Uh, Dr. Hall, your, uh, your, your practice deals largely with pain management, but from what I've gathered from our conversations uh, prior, uh, increasingly it's sort of being taken over by um, 
mind control, not mind control, electronic harassment uh, of victims. Is, is, that, is that the case? Uh, yeah, I have, have had quite a few people uh, actually, you know, come there to see me for that. I, believe it or not, try to actually see those people outside the office. Um, my medical board has kind of frowned on seeing uh, people in the medical setting uh, for that. Uh, and in all actuality, pretty much has said that anybody coming, voicing complaints of victimization uh, like that, that um, I would be committing malpractice if I didn't refer them to a psychiatrist, which, you know, obviously I'm not going to do. So the way I, around that is to see those patients outside the office, and not as a physician, but as John Hall. Um, <clears throat> but I do still work with many victims uh, that come there. Um, but you're right. I mean, uh, my main practice is uh, pain management, and I'm one of the few physicians in the United States doing stem cell therapy. Ah, uh, adult stem cell? Adult stem cell therapy, yeah, right. for people that have had uh, degenerated knees, degenerated shoulders, hips. Uh, we take their own bone marrow and spin it down into stem cells and, and use it for regenerative medicine to prevent them from... Well, uh, needing joint replacements. I, I applaud that because it, it, I mean, this, to me, this adult stem cell therapy is just, it, it's miraculous. I mean, for a non-scientific person, um, you know, when I, when I read about these cases where people, uh, everything from macular degeneration and, and uh, you, uh, diabetes, you name it, uh, stem cell, adult stem cell therapy uh, is just miraculous. And it, I think it's we've... The, it's, it's the medicine of the future, Richard. It really is. And um, I was lucky to kind of get in on this um, you know, early on with it. Uh, I've done some of the uh, the first studies and early studies in, in my office with uh, a set of patients on, on joint regeneration. Uh, the pain relief is amazing, uh, and the regeneration is amazing, and uh, certainly uh, less costly than getting a joint replacement and, and less you know risk from surgery of a joint replacement. Right, right. Now, get, getting back to uh, electronic harassment, and again, I'm... Uh, how do you feel about this? I, I just think that it's such a misnomer. It's not harassment, it's torture. Yeah, it, it is torture. What these victims go through is just uh, amazing. It's um, that anybody can actually survive through this. And, you know, obviously, as, as we've seen, many do not. Uh, many commit suicide you know, or end up being controlled into doing things that, that end up either taking their own life or the police taking their life, unfortunately. But, uh, um, it's one of those things that it's happening so prevalently. It's it's one of the most reported crimes on the internet. The the major media is reporting on the least, and the government seems to be investigating the least. So I mean, anybody that Google's electronic harassment or remote neural monitoring, uh, it's just you know it, it's just droves and droves and droves of people that are turning up and responding to that and. Um, you know, Edward Snowden kind of opened the door for a lot of people's eyes that didn't believe this because he, the targeted individual community for years has been saying that their emails were being tampered with, that their phones were being tampered with, that they felt it was the CIA or the NSA. And at that time, we're being called the tinfoiled hat people for actually believing that. Um, and then Edward Snowden released documents that, you know, indeed everything that they've been saying for the last decade is true. So uh, that brought a lot of believers into the fold that, well, you know what, if they can actually scan our computers remotely, uh, then why not scan someone's brain remotely, especially when you've had articles that have been out 10 years that the brain has no firewall, that uh, it can be uploaded and downloaded like a computer, that 
the same tools they're using to manipulate our computers can manipulate the mind. Uh, I read uh, maybe six months ago, maybe longer, about um, experiments at uh, MIT uh, where they were essentially um, programming false memories into mice. And I'm thinking, whenever I read a story like that, and they're releasing something like that to the public, I'm always thinking about uh, what Ben Rich, the former director of Skunk Works, uh, said, that um, you know we are 50 years beyond your wildest imagination in terms of technology. And I once spoke to an R&D guy at Sony who told me that they have technology that's just sitting on a shelf gathering dust because they've, they've determined that the public is not yet ready for it. Um, so I'm, when I read that story about the mice and implanting false memory in mice, I'm thinking, if they're releasing that now, they are 25 years or more beyond that. Who knows? Maybe they're able to, to, Im- to implant false memories in humans. What do you think? Well, you know, there's an entire organization that's been dedicated to that uh, exact theory called the False Memory Foundation. And interestingly enough, was headed up by former MK Ultra subcontractors, uh, for some time, and um, at least that organization was initially founded to uh, allegedly debunk um, the the people that were coming forward with MK Ultra complaints and and blame their false memories on uh, psychologists and counselors and you know people that had put them there through you know hyp- hypnotic suggestion that the things they were claiming didn't really happen to them, but. Uh, yeah, the false memories are, are easily implanted, and we do see that in the targeted individual community quite a bit. And, and that's not anything new. I mean, that false memories have been implanted through trauma-based uh, conditioning for some time. You know, that was one of the mainstays of creating Manchurian candidates uh, through trauma-based conditioning. Uh, now they've just figured out how to do it electronically uh, with modern technologies. As, as the technology increases, you know, what you can do with it actually increases. So, you know, now, as I point out in the book, um, you don't have to sequester these victims in a lab anymore. The so society and the community has become the laboratory. Uh, what um, What's the delivery method, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, a voice-to-skull uh, technology? I mean, they're not using, you know, converted microwave ovens anymore. I'm gathering. I mean, that's that's old school. What is the delivery method? How are they, uh, you know, putting voices to skull into skulls or or uh, administering some sort of uh, you know shock or burning sensation? Um, how is this being done? Is it the cell phone towers? How? Well, I mean, if you, I've heard Gwen Gwen towers. I've heard cell phone towers. Um, you know, one of the things that I wrote about in a new breed is based on conversations that I had with uh, current CIA agents who were willing to come forward for me in writing anonymously, uh, mostly related at all to satellite-based. And it's interesting, as I had one victim uh, who's a a fellow physician in Texas who contacted me and and said, you know what, before I read your book, I had all this stuff happening to me and thought I would leave Dallas, Texas and fly to North Carolina to get away from it. And was victimized on the plane, was victimized once I got to North Carolina, was victimized on the plane back to Texas, um, and said, you know, there's only one technology that can really do that, and that would be satellite-based technology. Now, there were some other theories that it could possibly harp, and the harp could be involved, and Gwen Towers could be involved. Uh, I spoke to several Air Force people who are in uh, their job, that I trust, that their job is to actually maintain the existing Gwen Towers, 
and you know they they seem to think that that would be impossible to target an individual with a Gwyn Tower that you could target a community and we did have that in San Antonio where there was one whole neighborhood that their wiring was burning out in their homes and their garage doors were opening and closing on their own uh, and they complained for several years about it until finally the NSA base, which was nearby in San Antonio, where, uh, where the TAUS, um, the uh, Tailored Access Operations Group operates, admitted that they were using a ground wave technology that was frying these people's wiring. Uh, and it was recommended that they get some special FCC filter uh, on their home wiring. But more than likely, it's a multimodal um form of technology that does this because in, in knowing how the government thinks you wouldn't you know hang your hat on on one form of propagation you know you would have multiple ways to do it so i imagine the monitoring is done one way the weapons come from one source uh and the the voice to skull probably comes from one source uh are they still simply choosing individuals and, and you know targeted individuals we heard we hear that term a lot targeted individuals but are they are they stepping it up ramping it up are they now targeting you know entire blocks uh, neighborhoods and is there any sort of even anecdotal evidence to support that well I mean certainly the neighborhood in San Antonio was one very specific Northwest neighborhood um, that uh, were hundreds of complaints coming out of that neighborhood, mostly of electronic disturbances in the home, not necessarily of a voice to skull or directed energy attack, but um, that was even covered on the local news, and the NSA did finally, you know, come clean on doing that. Now, they blamed it on a new ground wave communication system. They didn't come right out and say it was, it was experimentation, which I would seriously doubt they would. But uh, I make the point in the book that um, as far as psychological studies, uh, the CIA has been involved in that for some time. There's ample evidence that uh, the Jones cult in Guyana, uh, the Heaven's Gate cult that all committed suicide, if you trace back the financing and the leadership in those cults, they all re had relatively strong ties to former CIA people, that uh, it looks like some of these cult groups might actually be you know, if not, you know, formed from the onset by the CIA, might have uh, CIA insiders actually contributing to them, so they have a group of people that they can test on, and and test group behavioral um, alteration. Oh, the um, what is the the sort of the the worst case uh, that you've ever witnessed in in terms of a of a victim, a targeted individual? Uh, that was being being tortured. What what happened to that person? Uh, well, it's hard to really say. I mean, they're they're all horrible in their own way. I mean, some of the um, probably the the one I wrote about in a new breed, where a woman was basically uh, manipulated into uh, drinking rohypnol in her bottled water and used as a sex slave, uh, is certainly uh, pretty horrible. Um, I've had two individuals that have been attacked with directed energy to the point where their connective tissue in their bodies has broken down and they've actually lost probably, you know, 40 or 50 percent of their muscle mass where their skin is just hanging on them. That, uh, that to look at them, you would think they have a, some form of cancer or debilitating illness. But uh, when checked by doctors, everything checks out okay, except that they're just losing muscle mass and losing connective tissue so literally skin is just hanging and and that can be caused by some sort of a directed energy weapon 
Yeah, chronic exposure. The one thing that they have shown in the lab is chronic exposure to heavy electromagnetic fields causes free radical uh, free radicals to be produced. And free radicals prematurely age you. They can cause cataracts. They can cause tissue breakdown. It's one way to look at it would be that they essentially cause just massive inflammation. But aren't we all sort of swimming in, in an ocean of uh, electromagnetic fields? I mean, how do you differentiate yeah. between electronic uh, or, or sensitivity to an electromagnetic field, uh, which people do have, certainly, uh, as opposed to someone who is being targeted? Well, sensitivity, you would just have, you know, some, some illness or some feeling bad or feeling sluggish or feeling lethargy. Uh, someone that's targeted is actually being attacked with weapons while somebody tells them what they're attacking in their head, typically. So that one's pretty easily distinguishable. But uh, I make a point in my book that uh, one of the earliest complaints of this was actually out of a Utah prison. Uh, in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, there were five prisoners that were sequestered uh, in solitary confinement and experimented on. And uh, I did see their records in writing this book. And um, one of the prisoners said that the overwhelming feeling of energy in the room was so heavy that it was hard to even get up out of the bed and stand, uh, and that he was hearing the voices of people in his head that seemed to be responding to his thoughts. Uh, and this is from someone relatively uneducated, uh, giving their their fair take on, on what was happening to them in, like I said, the, the late 70s, early 80s. So... <clears throat> So it's pretty easy to distinguish between those two. Electrosensitivity, feeling of lethargy, you know, tired, maybe some rashes, um, headaches, but not not hearing voices and not suffering actual attack, typically. Are you at all concerned about the proliferation of these smart meters? I mean, we're learning now. Uh, in fact, I think in, in one of our provinces up here, it may have been Saskatchewan, uh, they're going to take them all out because, one, uh, they weren't uh, saving any energy, uh, and two, there were some health uh, uh, and safety concerns because of the uh, the electromagnetic fields associated with them. Uh, but is it possible uh, that you know some rogue element is using these smart meters for nefarious purposes? Well, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the smart meters do send data uh, out of your house. They are attached to your your power lines. The power lines have long been used to actually surveil households. Um, I think. Excuse me, I think I made that point in my first book. Um, the FBI for, for some time now has been able to get a, a court order to your power company and actually hook up to your power lines to listen to the inside of your house through your ground wire. Um, the ground wire is not a ground, it's a return. And as power returns through that wire, you can listen in on the vibrations in the house and it picks up speech pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, I imagine the smart meters um, probably have that same capability. And if you can convince people to have them put in because it's going to save energy, a lot of people would actually go for that. All right. We, we, we've talked about high-tech. We'll go low-tech when we come back, uh, and we'll talk about organized stocking with uh, Dr. John Hall, author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. And we are back with Dr. John Hall, Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, Electronic Harassment, or rather Electronic Torture, and uh, over the years, we've had a, a number of 
uh, of, of targeted individuals on the program, including one uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, and uh, Dr. John, we are so I am so delighted that uh, you're coming up uh, for my conference in April on the 26th uh, in Oshawa, Follow the Truth 2, and uh, you're going to give a presentation. So are you going to uh, sort of drill down and discuss essentially what's in the book, Guinea Pigs, Guinea Pigs Technologies of Control? Yep, and uh, just looking forward to seeing you again, Richard. I mean, uh, as soon as I heard you were putting on a conference, I mean, I, there was just no way I was going to miss that. Well, that's uh, it's so great of you to uh, to, to fly up uh, and do that for us. We're we're looking forward to it. Um, now, uh, I want to talk. We talked about high tech, and and uh, the other component uh, of uh, you know these uh, targeted individuals is often street theater and organized stalking. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. What methods? Uh, are being employed these days? Are they using new methods, or is it pretty well the old playbook? You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, with this gang stalking, where they're they're uh, you know maybe shouting obscenities at people, street theater, uh, you know, maybe mumbling under the breath a person's name as they walk by to drive them crazy. These sorts of things. Well, it, it, it's basically the same old routines. They've they've refined it a little bit, <clears throat> and. Uh, uh, that's one of the things I wanted to make. I do try to make clear in the book with a lot of the victims that, you know, sometimes they listen intently to what they hear in their voice to skull, thinking that uh, these people are going to tell them something that they can learn from or, or you know, decide who it is or give, give their identity away. These are well-rehearsed vignettes <clears throat> that have been done for years, uh, and the entrainment that you sustain by listening to the voices in the head are what actually keep you targeted. Now that I know that's a slightly different topic, but I just wanted to get that out there because it's it's kind of similar. But uh, the as far as the gang stalking or what I call organized stalking, and I and I use that term because gang stalking implies guys in leather jackets, jackets or crits or bloods, and that's not what this is. This is COINTELPRO based um, or mimicked organized stalking, and all of these techniques were started by the FBI with COINTELPRO, and they're designed to um, put the target in a victim state of mind, cause psychological uh, damage, uh, tear apart groups that are organized, tear apart couples that are devoted, and they work. They work really well. Um, some of the things that we we see is instead of the you know, the honking of the horn when you drive by, I know there's been several homeowners at uh, one particular in Ohio um, wouldn't wouldn't sell his house to somebody, so they had the whole town driving by, honking the horns and flashing their bright lights. And um, there was another lady that uh, low end, low tech kind of stalking, lost a bid on a home, so she started uh, putting the lady who did live in the home's uh, facial pictures up and on Craigslist as a uh, as an escort, uh, wanting men to stop by the house. But typically, what these victims actually get is people coming up behind them at the grocery store, total strangers, you know, having a conversation between two people you don't know, talking about something you said or something you did or something you cooked uh, the night before, um, just making sure that that conversation is in within earshot of the victim so they know that it's something so specific that it has to be about them. Um, you know, and of course the the stalking 24/7, and and they make no bones about that. It's not surveillance; it is stalking. Uh, standing around it, you know, outside your driveway, possibly outside your front door if you're in an apartment. Uh, you know, hanging out at work, they'll enlist uh, people that are at your work. They'll enlist the help of your neighbors if they can. Uh, How do they recruit them, John? How do they recruit them and get them on site? 
Well, I can tell you from counter-surveillance of the group that worked in San Antonio, uh, it's headed up by a former FBI agent uh, who hired mostly his relatives to do most of the work, but then hired kind of lower-level uh, ex-cons and thugs to do the gang stalking and the breaking and entering. And what we caught them doing here was um, going to the neighbors and with fake FBI badges and telling them that they were FBI and that the target that they were surveilling was under investigation for, you know, drug running or drug dealing or, you know, um, you know, um, porn pornography, child pornography. They'll use anything they can to actually enlist the help of the neighbors. And you would be surprised how many neighbors are stupid enough to not ask for legitimate ID or not call the legitimate FBI office to check on the people that uh, they've talked to. You know, they, they seem to be more than willing to assist in the investigation. And I've even seen where they've asked neighbors if it's okay to mount a camera on their patio or on their porch facing the target's house um, that they can access remotely, you know, to watch the front of the victim's house. And just to clarify, uh, with numerous uh, contacts in law enforcement, that is not something they would do. Um, they may put a pole up in, on your street with a camera on it, but they're not going to ask one of your neighbors to, you know, to mount a camera facing your house. So that should be a red flag, obviously. So these, the, the, the individuals that are recruited, they actually think they're doing a good thing. They, they think they're, they're being deputized uh, in order to harass some undesirable um, living on, in their community. You know, that's right. As far as the neighbors go, now the, the ones that are under the direct hire of the perpetrator group doing it, and most of this is being done by private investigative groups, um, they're, they're criminals. I mean, just no, nothing short of that. I mean, they, they find people that already have records that are, I mean, kind of the same way they find, you know, a lot of the ways, the same way they find victims. You know, they find people that are, you know, kind of, you know, maybe have a checkered past and, you know, are on their own and, you know, you know out of work and will do just about anything for money. Uh, and that's kind of similar to the way they find victims. With victims, they find people that are mostly living alone, loners, usually that are functioning okay. And, you know, sometimes this is hired done to a target. Sometimes it's just random. Uh, sometimes it is on whistleblowers. I've talked to a number of people who used to work for government who are, um, are being stalked and targeted directly by the agencies they used to work for. I had a, I had a former sheriff uh, on my program that was being targeted um, because he was trying to, um, you know, expose corruption uh, in his own office and was ostracized and then... Uh, actually, it was a female sheriff, as I recall. Uh, so you're right. I mean, these are uh, many of these individuals are, you know, uh, professional people. Uh, but you're right. They also often will pick someone who may have an underlying medical uh, or health uh, or a mental health issue because that person won't be believed. Uh, it may be someone who has an underlying substance abuse problem. And we'll talk about that as well when we come back. Dr. John Hall, Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Dr. John Hall is with us, author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. Hold up the book there for you on our Hangout, and you can check it out. And, of course, uh, once again, Dr. Hall will be part of our Follow the Truth 2 
uh, live event Sunday, April the 26th in Oshawa. He's flying up especially for that uh, conference on uh, the Sunday evening. And um, you'll get a chance to, uh, to meet him and say hello as well. Get a copy of his book, signed probably. Uh, I wanted to, we, we alluded to this uh, off the top, that uh, we were in Seattle together, and I don't think we're at liberty to talk too much about this project, but it's a, it's a TV program that, that we've been involved with, and hopefully it'll get off the ground. Um, but we, you know, we, we met some, some, some victims, um, and some of the cases uh, that we met were more uh, believable than others. And, and I think, you know, the one I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of in particular, um, a tra- really a, a sad case because whatever, you know, is, this is a, a tortured individual uh, one way or the other. But I mentioned, you know, that in, I, th- I think sometimes they're, they're choosing, they, the, these perps, are choosing people that have some underlying uh, mental health issue or even a substance abuse issue because no one's going to believe that person if they come out and say, I'm being targeted. Is, is that the mindset of these perps? Well, uh, yeah, and I, and I make that very clear in the book, <clears throat> that if you look at the history of MKUltra and MKSearch and all, all of the other mind-control-based experimentation done by the CIA, and by the way, for your listeners, all of this is straight out of freedom of information. This is from the government itself. Most of these victims were picked out of self-discredited communities or what we call social outliers. Um, they were people with uh, a history of, you know, mild drug abuse, uh, men using prostitutes. I mean, the mentally ill. I mean, I mean, we they even experimented on, you know, on uh, disabled children at Willowbrook School for crying out loud. You know, um, so certainly, yeah, populations like that are are largely used for experimentation. Uh, guys in prison are used for experimentation uh, because. They're easy to control in that situation, and you know people that are already self-discredited, nobody's going to listen to when they voice the complaints. And we see that all the time, where you'll see people with relatively minor drug histories uh, that when they come forward and complain with this, it all gets blamed on the drug abuse. Um, so, and in just in case in point, you know the individual that we met in shooting the the TV show together, yes, um, <clears throat> certainly uh, had a little of both. Uh, of those cases, and and there's nothing saying that, you know, someone that somebody that's having mental health issues can't also be a victim. Yes. Uh, and and sometimes it's hard to tell, and I don't want to give away the, you know, the kicker, you know, in the the TV show that we shot with that individual. But as it turned out, that you know he probably has some some other issues going on besides the obvious. Right. Right. And how do you, as a as a as a physician? Uh, when you're, I mean, I understand, you know, we should issue this caveat again. You're seeing these people outside of your practice, uh, but you're still, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously employing your your diagnostic skills when you're looking at these individuals. How do you separate someone who's delusional, uh, who may be, for example, schizophrenic, uh, from an actual targeted individual? Well, that's a good question, and sometimes it is difficult. <clears throat> Schizophrenia is not so difficult because that usually gets diagnosed as, <clears throat> excuse me at an early age. Um, those people typically were you know were found to be not quite right early on and, and men younger than women, but you know women up to you know the mid 20s, men typically in the teens. So schizophrenia is generally not one of the ones that we're seeing. We are seeing people diagnosed with delusional disorder. And um, a lot of the people that I see have already been either forced or asked to see a psychiatrist. 
uh, and had been placed on medication. <clears throat> and uh, medication in most mental uh, illnesses makes you better. Even schizophrenics get better on medication. Uh, targeted individuals, uh, even when forced to take medication, uh, still hear voices and still get attacked. And there's typically physical signs that we see on these victims that can't be manifested mentally. Uh, burning of the skin. Uh, I've seen people with names written in their skin. Um, you know, CSF heating to the point where the eyes are bulging out or eyes are drooping. Uh, that most of these problems go away when the attacks stop. So that's one of the things when these people sit at home and get attacked and then they go to the emergency room to be seen by a physician while they shut off the attack so the person's not demonstrating the symptoms anymore uh, and there's nothing to be found medically. And which is exactly how these weapon systems are developed as non-lethal weapons. So uh, as a physician, yes, you know, mental illness does exist. Certainly schizophrenia exists and delusional disorder exists. But on the other side of the token, we have technology now that can mimic those diseases. And almost all of these research projects early on were headed up by psychiatrists who knew very well what symptoms that they needed to look like. Right, right. Now, what do you... Uh, offer us a, a, maybe a, a checklist for, for people who maybe they're beginning su to suspect that they're being targeted, they're not quite sure. What are some of the early warning signs? Well, the first thing you would want to uh, watch for is actual the organized stalking. Now, that's the point where you actually probably can get some law enforcement help. Um, if you notice the same people or the same vehicles following you around all day long, the two consecutive days, Unless it's your neighbor who works at the same place you work, who happens to be behind you every day, then you may be getting stalked. I know uh, most of the states, including Texas, uh, have altered their stalking laws to um, make it a little bit easier to, to get a restraining order against stalkers. It used to be that you had to prove injury uh, or a threat to your life before you could get a restraining order, and I know in Texas that's changed uh, based on a couple of cases that I was involved with. Um, the other thing is tinnitus. Um, before people start hearing voices from this technology, they typically complain of ringing in the ears. As a matter of fact, uh, studies through freedom from covert surveillance and harassment have been done uh, that show that uh, ringing in the ears or tinnitus is 160 times more prevalent in the targeted individual community than it is in the population in general. And that's a precursor to actual voice to skull is the tinnitus? What are they, are they sort of setting your brain up, rewiring your brain to start receiving these signals? Basically, it, it seems to be that they're messing with frequencies and magnitudes of frequencies uh, to find, you know, that frequency which they can communicate to you uh, without anyone around you hearing. And, and that is a trial and error process. Uh, like I said, we've done counter-surveillance on the group out of San Antonio, so I, we know how it's done here. And um, they'll work with somebody for sometimes months before they can actually get that person to hear. And the point where you're hearing your perpetrator's voices and being attacked with directed energy weapons is actually midway in the game. Uh, they've actually been surveilling you, surveilling you know who your family members are, who you're going to turn to in a crunch, uh, when you do start hearing voices, they, the, the, the pre-attack phase, uh, it lasts for quite some time. This isn't something they can do overnight with an individual. They have to work with the EEG, work with the brain, work with the person. Uh, they know who your friends are, who your family is, where you work, 
there's a lot of groundwork that goes into this before they actually start attacking you and having you hear voices. Now, these aren't always, you know, uh, let's say rogue agents uh, in the NSA or the CIA. These could be uh, just mobsters, right? Or, or let's say it could be a, a disgruntled former employee or employer who wants to drive you crazy. I mean, has the technology been made available to even uh, people sort of lower down on the rung in terms of the socioeconomic scale? No, not really. The technology is still basically classified technology. However, there's enough subcontractors and independent contractors with clearances and access to the technology now that it can be higher done. And what we're seeing now that's more prevalent now than it was years ago uh, is actually people having this hired done to them. Um, you know, I've seen a number of cases in Texas where it's um, the husband doesn't want to pay child support, so he targets the wife, hires it done to her to make her look crazy so she doesn't get custody of the kids. He gets full custody. Uh, and oftentimes you'll see a, a woman that's just about destitute having to pay child support to a husband that's fairly well off because he successfully made her uh, look crazy and uh, get a mental illness diagnosis in the divorce. You're not finding uh, these people in the in the yellow pages, though. I mean, how do you, or on Craigslist, I'm guessing, I mean, if you wanted to contract one of these people, where would you, how do you find them? It, it seems to be mostly word of mouth. And I know uh, the group that, uh, that we watched in San Antonio, Texas, it is spread by word of mouth. And as a matter of fact, uh, in writing a new breed, uh, in 2008, one of the, the statements I made in the book is that uh, one of the physicians who uses this particular uh, private investigator to harass his competitors made the comment to me that he was hiding him from his wife in case he needed to make her look crazy during a divorce. Well, fast forward five years, six years later, I get a call from a woman who's married to an orthopedic surgeon uh, who's going through a divorce, and uh, and her home is being broken into. She's hearing voices. The kids are being messed with. And as it turns out, uh, she was married to a close associate of the surgeon that had told me about using this particular PI to do this type of victimization. So uh, it is a kind of a closely held secret um, among the fairly wealthy, I guess you could say, uh, that use it uh, you know, as, a, as a hired targeting. Um, but that I know of, it hasn't been made commercially available. I know on the Internet uh, you'll see a lot of you know, people advertising handheld directed energy weapons, and so far I haven't seen any of those that actually pan out. What percentage of the population do you suspect are being targeted? A percentage of the entire population, it would probably be relatively low. Um, you know, we estimate there's about 300,000 people nationwide that are being targeted. Uh, now, that's that have come forward and actually are describing accurately what we consider targeting. Now, one of the other theories I've been told is that the 300,000 that are voicing the complaints are the ones that are actually resistant to control measures. Um, now, if you look at it that way, then essentially the whole world's already being controlled, and they're singling out the people who are resistant to control. Aha. Uh -huh. That was my uh, final question, really, and, and that is, are, I mean, is your sense that we're just about out of time here, are they ramping this up to the point where we're looking at basically a prison planet, as, as Alex Jones likes to say? They're, go they're going to they're going to target everybody. Well, that's the only direction I can see this going. Um, you know, the government has, has long been going towards control more than governing. 
uh, and taxes and guns won't control everyone. You know, there's those of us that live in rural areas that can shoot back and live off the land. Uh, even Michael Persinger 20 years ago said that uh, radio frequency, mind control, that he could control every brain on the planet, and they seem to have taken him seriously. Uh, the only direction I can see this headed is for population control completely. All right, on that somber note, John, thank you for hanging out with us. Again, the, uh, the book is Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. We will see you up here April the 26th at the Region Theatre. John, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it, Richard. All right, be well, my friend. We'll see you. My thanks to Tim Spreen, Albert Vinzel, and all of you for listening. Back next week with Dr. Richard Sauter talking about underground bases hidden in plain sight beyond the X-Files. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.